Remember the controversial fiduciary rule passed by the Obama-era Labor Department? It states that financial advisors must put their clients' interest ahead of their own. Secretary of Labor Alexandra Acosta has said the rule will kick into effect on June 9th, but don't circle that on your calendar yet. The final implementation of the rule doesn't go into effect until January 1st, and a lot can happen. In February, President Trump signed an executive order to try to roll back the fiduciary rule with Republican Representative Ann Wagner of Missouri, who's been fighting to kill the rule, standing behind him. We are returning the American people, low and middle income in, in investors and retirees, their control over their own retirement savings. This is about uh, Main Street, and I am, it's been a labor of love for me. The Securities and Exchange Commission was given the authority to promulgate a fiduciary rule, and now it appears the SEC is considering reviewing the responsibility that brokers have to their clients, perhaps giving the finance industry an opportunity to chip away at the rule, cracking down on conflicts of interest. We have two experts in the area with us, John Coffey, professor at Columbia Law School, and Jill Fish, professor at the University of Pennsylvania Law School. Jack, as I said, this was a controversial rule from the start. Let's go back and explain why the Obama administration believed it was necessary and whether you agree with it. Okay. Basically, we need to understand that today, under current law, an advisor who provides retirement investment advice to a client, whether it's a 401k holder, an IRA holder, or some other kind of client, is not a fiduciary to that client. His only obligation is not to recommend products to the client that are clearly unsuitable because there's much more risk or it's totally inconsistent with the client's retirement needs. But he doesn't have to act in the best interests of the client. That means, for example, he could give imprudent advice, negligent advice with immunity, or more typically, he could give disloyal self-interested advice by recommending, for example, a uh, mutual fund that was sponsored by his employer, a large broker-dealer, uh, which charges much higher fees than other funds that are substantially equivalent. That would violate a fiduciary standard, which always requires that you act in the best interests of your client. But it would not violate the suitability standard. The Department of Labor standard would effectively say you couldn't act when you had a conflict of interest. You couldn't recommend any product if there was a product that might be superior to this. This would change substantially practices in the industry. In fact, it already is changing practices within the industry, but it's bitterly controversial. One last point. Under President Obama, the White House's Council of Economic Advisors estimated that each year Americans pay $17 billion in unnecessary fees because their advisors need not act as fiduciaries. That's a pretty high cost, and of course it means that the industry would lose a good deal of money if the new rule went into effect. Jill, what's the argument against this best interest standard? It sounds like, uh, from an investor standpoint, uh, a good thing. Um, well, it's certainly the case that investors are vulnerable, and historically there have been many instances of brokers taking advantage of their clients. The challenge is that the fiduciary standard is a very high one. We tend to think of people like doctors and lawyers acting as fiduciaries, and even in those cases there is the potential for conflicts of interest. Uh, 
financial advice, uh, brokerage, that's a business. And brokers need to be compensated for providing investment advice to their clients. But virtually any form of compensation creates the potential for a conflict of interest. And that's what brokers are facing as they try to restructure their accounts to deal with the potential implications of the fiduciary rule. Uh, one more point uh, before we move on. That $17 billion figure that Jack uh, quoted, that's a very suspect figure. It's based on uh, antiquated data, the number of questionable assumptions. So people are throwing around that number, suggesting, well, you know, gee, this is something, some huge amount uh, that brokers are taking away from their customers. But it's quite likely that that number is overstated. Jack, do you want to respond quickly like in 30 seconds? Department of Labor created a special safe harbor to make this rule practical and feasible. They say that any broker-dealer that enters into a best interest contract is exempt from their fiduciary rule. That means there is a practical way to comply. And we're seeing some brokers take that option because many brokers now are moving from a commission basis to their client relationships to an annual fee basis, and that annual fee basis can more easily comply with the best interest contract exemption under the Department of Labor's fiduciary rule. I don't know whether $17 billion is too high or too low, but I think there is a substantial cost to investors under the current system. We've been talking about the fiduciary rule passed by the Obama-era Labor Department, which states that financial advisors basically must put their clients' interest ahead of their own. And the Secretary of Labor, Alexander Acosta, has said the rule will go into effect on June 9th, at least the beginnings of the rule. We've been talking with Professor Jill Fish of the University of Pennsylvania Law School and Professor John Coffey of the Columbia Law School. Jill, since the Department of Labor rule is on its way into effect, what can the SEC do in light of the fact that that rule is ongoing? I mean, are they on two separate tracks? Uh, in fact, they are. And one of the issues that's currently pending before Congress is the extent to which uh, Congress should override the Department of Labor and make uh, this regulation uh, firmly within the SEC's hands. And to my mind, that makes a lot of sense. The SEC has been in the business of protecting investors since 1934. It's in the, really in the best position to decide how to protect them with respect to retirement investing. And it also makes sense to have a single standard applied to broker advice, whether it's with respect to retirement investing or somebody's other assets. You wouldn't want two different standards to apply and the broker to say, well, gee, all of a sudden I'm investing you to uh, with respect to this account. Now uh, my obligations are different. That would be incredibly confusing for investors. Jack, um, is the fact that, that some of these Labor Department rules are going to go into effect on, on June 9th, others not until January 1st, and the fact that the SEC is looking at this going to produce kind of a marketplace whiplash where there will be some rules in effect and potentially uh, they will disappear a few months down the road? Well, essentially, the SEC has had this issue before it since the issue, since Dodd-Frank was passed in 2010. 
and they've been paralyzed for the last seven years. They've been unable to decide what single uniform rule should apply. There's a higher standard applicable to investment advisors, and there's a much lower standard applicable to brokers, and they've been politically divided. We've now reached a point where they will no longer be politically divided. There'll be a clear Republican majority. And my fear is that in this special area, the SEC may move from being divided and paralyzed to being politically captured, because this is a tremendously important issue to much of the brokerage industry that wants to continue under the softer suitability rule and doesn't want anything that says they might have to recommend the product that's most attractive to their client. So this is not, I think, the area where the SEC is going to distinguish itself as the investor's advocate. Jill, isn't that true? Because President Trump also has been trying to get rid, uh, get rid of additional regulations. There's a lot of pressure from Republican lawmakers like Ann Wagner of Missouri on the SEC to do away with these kinds of rules. There certainly is a lot of political pressure, and the fiduciary rule has been uh, controversial from the outset. But ironically, a lot of the big Wall Street firms are now finding the fiduciary rule is less problematic than they thought, in part because in many cases they're going to wind up charging their clients higher fees. Uh, eliminating commission-based accounts in many cases will mean that the customer pays more, and um, for the small customer, what the big firms are doing is simply eliminating those accounts, saying they won't uh, take small investors, uh, essentially because it's not uh, economic to service very small accounts under a um, assets under management or a flat fee type of structure. So um, it's those types of concerns that I think the SEC is really in the best position to analyze. Jack, given the views you've expressed, did you take any comfort when Alex Acosta, the labor secretary, uh, said a few days ago that he was going to let this rule take effect? I think some people have been anticipating or perhaps hoping uh, that he would either uh, delay it further or or, uh, move to uh, block it altogether. Well, candidly, I did think he was probably going to delay it. He said there was no principled basis for that, and let's take him at his word. It was a principled decision. The rule won't really bite until January 1 of next year, but it will be applicable. There are changes going on in the industry. I think some of these are for the best. It might be that some clients will leave brokers who don't want small accounts, but there are plenty of other brokers who do want small accounts. I don't think we can assume that people who want services won't get them because the industry is extremely competitive. What I think we will see is that there will have to be more attention given to the best interest of the client. And frankly, brokers are subject to enormous conflicts of interest. They are always selling proprietary products of their employer, such as mutual funds. And if they can ignore that their employer is selling a more expensive product than the competition, the interests of investors suffer. Jill, let's talk about timing here, because the SEC's first step, I take it, would be getting feedback. How long would it take to put a rule into effect? 
Uh, the process varies tremendously, and it varies in part because the SEC itself is still in transition. Uh, Jack mentioned the fact that we're likely to see in the near term a uh, Republican-dominated SEC, SEC, but that's still a work in progress as well. I don't think it will take very long for the SEC to issue uh, some sort of concept release or some sort of request for comment and uh, sort of take the temperature of the industry. And I think uh, given the changes that brokers are making in response to the prospect of the fiduciary rule, gathering that information would be an important and valuable first step. And Jack, just to be clear, what would happen if the SEC uh, issues a rule that is directly conflicting with what the Labor Department has done? What, what will be the state of play then? We're likely to see some litigation in the courts, but it's quite arguable, easily arguable, that the SEC has primary jurisdiction. It also might persuade Congress. Remember, we have a Republican Congress that could easily pass a bill that President Trump would quickly sign, giving the SEC jurisdiction or endorsing the SEC's position. So both the courts and the White House and Congress will all get into this game because they're just too important interest for them to ignore it. And Jill, the a federal judge did deny a lawsuit brought by industry trade groups seeking to overturn the fiduciary rule. So how much of an option are the courts in this in this instance? Well, what uh, Jack's talking about is the courts weighing in if there's a potential conflict between the SEC's regulation and what the Department of Labor has done. And Jack's also right. It's likely that Congress would intervene as well. Uh, Some of the uh, bills currently pending before Congress would give the SEC the explicit authority to overrule the Department of Labor if it so chooses. Well, I'm sure we have not heard the last of the fiduciary rule, and we hope that you both come back on Bloomberg Law with us again the next time the issue comes up. That's Jill Fish, professor at the University of Pennsylvania Law School, and John Coffey, professor at Columbia Law School.